Welcome to the cast, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode two of season three, Book Record Beer. I am incredibly psyched for this one for a number of reasons, uh, but let me introduce everybody. I am Nick Mahalik, joined as always by my good friends and colleagues, one Nick Gregorio. Hey, it's good to be back, right? Mm, yeah. Feels good. Oh, yeah. Daniel DeFranco. Yeah. Oh, he's in the mood. He's in the, uh, he's in the headspace. And of course, uh, today we have a guest, very special guest, my friend, uh, Drew Harris. Say hello. Hey, what's up, everybody? How's everyone doing? The sweet, sultry voice <laughs> of Drew Harris, lead singer of Naked Sun. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, but I first, don't want to talk anymore. That's not a, <laughs> yeah, silky. Yeah, he should. Yeah. He mm. should do you guys audiobooks. That is uh, <laughs> ear chocolate. <laughs> I've been it's chocolate. Ear chocolate. It right. It's real gross. That shit's French. Ear chocolate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's moving on. So uh, today. We will be doing uh, Patrick DeWitt's The Sisters Brothers. Um, we actually chose this quite a while ago, and now it's uh, been bought by John C. Riley's production company, turned into a film, of which, Nick, you will be talking about. Yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, I heard it's pretty damn good, so that'll be interesting to see um, a comparison there. We will also be looking at Shaky Graves' album uh, from the same year that Sisters Brothers came out, 2011, uh, Roll the Bones. And we are going to be drinking some Sly Fox, a local brewery uh, from Phoenixville. Um, we are going to be drinking the Mudlust. The theme there obviously being uh, the dirty, the grimy, the muddy. And the lusty. And the lusty. Very lusty. <laughs> yeah. um, which is one of the things I want to talk about in the book. But before that, I'm going to introduce the gentlemen uh, as sort of like Western fellows. Oh, Lord. A family of Western fellows, actually. Uh, I'm going to start with Michael, actually, because this one just came to mind. I don't have a good reason for the association. I just think it's fucking hilarious. Uh, Mike, you're slim pickings. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just one of the best names ever. And he's in, um, he's in the film Blazing Saddles as not himself, as a character. Uh, and that's what I was thinking about Blazing Saddles. But I actually went Tombstone pretty hard with this. Mm. And uh, you three are the Earp brothers from Tombstone. I dig it. Because the actors and I think the, the roles of the brothers uh, play well here. So, Daniel, you are uh, Sam Elliott. Uh, some people may remember him from Big Lebowski fame. You are the Elder Virgil Earp. Uh, Nick? Behind it. You're Morgan Earp. Morgan Earp. You're Bill Paxton, and I feel like you oh, fit Bill Paxton's character. character. <laughs> oh, he's just going to take offense because no, when we were sound checking, he thought we were mocking him, but we were just having fun. You were to literally mocking We were trying to embody you. It's tough. Uh, and Drew, you are my friend Wyatt Earp, Kurt Russell. I think it fits. Okay. All right, all right. Most definitely. These are all fair. Well done. I thought so. Yeah. Okay, uh, so Mahalik, Nicholas, mm -hmm. if you were a Western character... You know how when they're playing cards and yeah. one guy inevitably cheats <laughs> and the one guy yeah. says, you call me a cheat. And then the other guy is like, what would you want to like shoot about it? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not either of those guys. Okay, okay. But you're the guy on the side that, that looks shifty from side to side. <laughs> I'm, I'm the one who's going to be Why the Why don't y'all take it outside? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there is no shooting in this premise. <laughs> take her outside or I will take your whiskey. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. I'd like to be that guy. Yeah. yeah. I'm like the bar back, essentially, is yeah. what you said. Nice. They always die. 
Yeah. <laughs> Although the second... I always and, catch a stray bullet, like right in the forehead. All right, Jen. So before we get into this, let me just give a, a little summary of the old sisters brothers. They are two brothers, last name sisters, Eli and Charlie. Charlie's a bit of a sociopath. Eli is conflicted in their role as assassins for the uh, unseen sort of like puppeteer known as the Commodore who has them go out and murder people that have wronged him. Uh, so it's a little bit of a road trip, three parts. They, uh, they start in Oregon Territory where they're from, they move into California, trying to find this guy known as Kermit Warm. Uh, and he has developed this new sort of technology uh, to illuminate gold that is in the riverbed. Uh, and so when they come upon him, after many trials and tribulations to get to him, um, they have to sort of make a choice to follow the Commodore or to uh, go against his wishes, of which the boys have not done previously. Uh, and in this particular instance, if I'm correct, right, Charlie has been made the lead on this particular uh, trek, and uh, Eli has made, been made the subordinate. His pay has been cut. A little bit of a diss. Um, and so that is how it opens, adds a little conflict. And then uh, without giving anything away, they do meet up with Warm and their scout from the Commodore known as Morris, who was there first. Um, and then you see how it all plays out. Correct? Am I good? Am I Correct. That? that was fabulous. Nice. Well done. Thank you. Yes. All right. uh, Sisters, brothers. Again, Patrick DeWitt. This is his second novel. Yes. His first was Ablutions, Notes for a Novel. Um, he was a bartender. He reminds me of you a lot. He looks like a a more Cro-Magnon Daniel. You have a similar look with the glasses and the and the sort of like facial structure, but he's a little bit more square. Yeah, he's more square, angled. Yeah, a little more angular face than uh, than old Daniel. You're a little softer around the edges there. Where's this leading? Um, no, literally okay. is leading nowhere. <laughs> Other than you were both bartenders, his first book. I know you wrote your first novel, Whilst Bartending. I think yeah. he did the same. There's a lot of that woven into his first. In any case, um, that received some awards. It did. But his sisters, book, not mine. His book, not Daniel's. Uh, yet. Yet. It's new, baby. It's new. Panic years. Available. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sisters Brothers, though. I unabashedly fucking love this book. I've recommended it to a number of people. It's one of those few. I know I mentioned uh, another book that I buy for people pretty often. This is one that I've bought for a number of people. Uh, it stacks up and is in rare company with those books that will make you laugh out loud, Yeah, which I find such a difficult as a writer task and also as a reader, a rare occurrence to actually laugh out loud. Um, so I wanted to speak to that first, how, we have humor woven into a very dark novel. And a lot of people call, you know, guys like Vonnegut uh, dark humorous and, and, and black humorous and stuff like that. This, I think, is different. Um, and so I was wondering what you guys' takes were on um, how we would sort of put DeWitt into a group of black humorists or those, those guys who are making us laugh at really, really horrific shit. Um, because Vonnegut's is certainly satirical. I don't find that there's much satire uh, here. I think it's the storytelling that, yeah. that shines, and, and that's where the humor comes through. So I'll put that to you guys first. Is, is One of the first things that struck me about this book is, oh, my God, I'm laughing a lot, and this is fucking dark. Yeah. Um, so thoughts? I would say it's almost antagonistically funny. Okay, like it's like so it's sinister. You? 
Okay. You know what I mean? Because like at one point, uh, Eli crushes a man's head with this, the the heel of his boot. Right. And somehow this grotesque, gory scene is made funny and poignant at the same time. Right. Which is kind of like, hey, you didn't see that coming, did you, fucker? Yeah. You know? So you think DeWitt's like sort of, sort of oh, like... Oh, I think um, he's, he's sneaking it in Pushing through the yep. page at us. I yeah. Okay, nice. I think he's poking. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> and it's maybe because I've invented a character of DeWitt himself <laughs> uh, in my mind from having read this and just seen his picture as a very stern fella. Yeah. And he's from the cold, the cold nether reaches of Canada as well. That's true. Um, he, I mean, either Canada gives out a zillion awards or they recognized how good this book was. Probably the latter because he got a ton of uh, Canadian awards for this. Yeah. Um, for this book. I think it was like six or seven. It's impressive. It's impre- I mean, I've read two of four of DeWitt's books and both of them I enjoyed thoroughly. What was the other one? Uh, Domo? Yes. Uh, under Major Dobo Minor. Correct. Yeah, I shortened it. Is that the newest one? No. No. The newest one was French Exit, which I bought uh, but right, haven't right, read right, yet. Right. That's an Echo I saw. Hmm? Came out on Echo. Yeah, I think they all did, didn't they? Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, this oh, is shit. Echo, too. Oh, sweet. Yeah. In any case, Please. back to the humor. What do you think? Uh, I think it all comes down to his tone that he, that he struck in this book. Uh, the most casual and most extreme moments in the book are, are met with the uh, – they're given the same weight. Yeah. Like the guy just – he just says things, <laughs> yeah. uh, whether he's, you know, crushing someone's skull or uh, I've got a I've got a quote here. Uh, uh, my pants were still down. And after collecting my emotions, I took up my organ to comprise myself <laughs> like it's everything just so matter of fact. Yeah. Um, Nothing's fetish fetishized mm-hmm. either. And that's just he's just saying what he did, yep. all of his emotions. And I just collected myself. And went about doing this other thing uh, that my mom told me to do when I was a kid. Yeah. If yeah. I got angry, upset, <laughs> I pressed down on his shoulders so that his head dropped beneath the surface of the water. He began at once to splash and flail. He coughed and choked. It just, yep. I'm just drowning this motherfucker. Yeah. And it's just so matter of fact. And you know what though? I'll say I found that it was more Charlie who was making me laugh than it is Eli. Mm-hmm. Eli is certainly matter of fact. And Eli's our narrator. I would argue he's the one who hasn't yet, uh, really reconciled with himself who he's become as a as an assassin, right? Um, and uh, and and Charlie, on the other hand, really has totally accepted it and is invested. I mean, he, in, and he there's no going in back. It. Yeah, he enjoys he revels it. in it. Yeah, yeah he loves a, killing folk. There's a number of of moments where you see him genuinely laughing, um, not at out of relief or uh, the absurdity of the situation, but, but that he actually takes some gleeful pleasure in, uh, in what he's done in the murdering. Yeah. Yeah. But it is, it, I found almost every single time it was fucking Charlie who was making me die. Like where, uh, <laughs> brother, that's your face. Like where he's fucking, <laughs> Eli's half his face is falling <laughs> me. Like leans back on his heels and whistles. And, uh, and, uh, there's just so many like that where, um, he's like, um, you know, it's been a pleasure working with you, Eli. These men are going to dispose of us now. Like they know they're going to murder them, but he's like, this guy just said he's going to kill us. So it's been a pleasure, brother. Uh, like anytime the brother comes up, it's it's always when the bear is dead. He walks up. I saw this gentleman lying here. Like to call the bear a gentleman. I don't know. That shit made me crack up. I I, I it's don't know. Just, it's like Everybody a, was there, but I was losing it every yeah. single time Charlie opened his mouth around those times. And it strikes me that like uh, in westerns and a lot of westerns that I see, they they have this 
sort of formal cadence to the way they speak. Yeah. And that is hysterical. Right. Because um, we don't speak that way. And they're, yeah. they're talking about some fucked up shit in a very... Ma- well, I reckon we have... Uh, find ourselves at an impasse here gentlemen <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> not a single contraction in the whole book <laughs> yeah. no exactly yeah. yeah i mean what do you think drew in terms of humor so <clears throat> a couple different types of humor um the one that made me laugh the most was really the more of like the slapstick kind of physical comedy okay yeah um when they're in the house with the witch and he can't leave the house yeah <laughs> you know just these like really absurd kind of situations that you just visualize Physically, the characters just being in these, like, you know, things that they kind of got themselves into and now need to get themselves out of. And it just reminded me of kind of like a uh, very dark uh, Three Stooges at times. Um, And the other thing that I noticed, too, was that, you know, Eli is he's the relatable character. He's the I guess the normal one. Right. And everyone else is just so extreme in their natures. Yeah. So that extreme all of those extreme natures kind of bouncing off of his filter. And he's, I guess, meant to be the reader, um, the relatable one or what have you. So, you know, he's kind of collecting and filtering all of these um, very, you know, extreme natures. And, um, and it's, it's, it's absurdist in a sense that like we kind of, as the reader kind of like put ourselves in those situations. And I think that's what makes us laugh, you know, that's true. yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know if anybody else found this, but I, uh, for a while, I, I, you know, reread it in preparation and I found myself like speaking like the Sisters Brothers uh, at times. Like a student, I don't know, a student came up to me and uh, they were really concerned about their, their grade. And I was like, but ultimately, are grades in any way impactful to your life in this moment? And it had no, it made no sense. <laughs> and, but the, but the student like, I guess because I was, uh, you know, the teacher looking to moment, you for guidance, just looking to me, and and I was like, you know, I'm just kidding. And I had to like break back into, and I'm like, I'm 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 completely messing around. So let's really talk about, it. take a seat. <laughs> I like get back in, but I don't know. I really found that it's written in such a way that you do, you become immersed. You are Eli. That lens is yours, and in a lot of ways, um, it makes it that much easier to be in not only his headspace but also the time period and so i wanted to talk about that how we can have sort of like the vernacular uh of a particular time period woven in and have this feel uh, and and ultimately i think be uh, a modern piece of literature um, and so I was wondering what we thought about what we thought about that, because that really struck me as well. Like off the bat, I'm cracking up. I always note that like some of my favorite authors are my favorite authors. Actually, the majority of them on their top shelf are there because they've made me laugh out loud. So I think that's a just a testament to their writing. But then the next thing is he goes a step further and now is using this sort of like 150 year old dialect and, and these and these terms and devices throughout that do not make it feel like there's any affectation whatsoever. I don't feel like he read a bunch of literature from the 1800s, right? And then tried to replicate that voice. This is wholly his. So I was wondering what you guys uh, thought about that and like how he achieves that um, so well. I think one thing he does pretty much right off the bat is he he removes any sort of like morality from uh, from the situations. So no one really has 
a second thought about much. You know, no one feels bad about anything. No one's really talking about weighing the consequences of anything, really. Um, and That's be- true. And because of that, you know, the tone becomes very matter-of-fact. I was actually going to ask you um, how how we can tell if this is authentic speech or not. Right. So that's interesting. One of the things that I feel like is I just took the, the, the author's sort of like word for it. Okay. To be perfectly honest. I, 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 and I don't know what he does to make me trust him that much, but there's something just, and perhaps it's the matter of factness of the writing that, that makes it that way. The thing that, um, cemented that for me was I actually looked up when uh, I think it's um, the owner of that hotel uh, he like owns the whole city pretty much um, it's named after him ah, what the fuck is it called he wants the red bear pelt and they bring him yes, the pelt yes, right? right and he takes off his foot and his foot's like red and inflamed and Eli goes oh I think you got a case of whatever okay. uh, insert thing there um, it was that it was the dentist it was all these things that were time period specific. And when I gave it a second and, and actually checked it out, I was like, oh, this is from that time period. Right. So I did look up a couple things and that cemented it for me. But yeah. I trusted him out of the gate already. Right. Um, I think that's a testament to his writing. We have video yeah. proof of it, though. <clears throat> of, of, of how they spoke in the 1850s. Video proof? Yeah. Marty went back. Oh, right, right. Marty <laughs> did go back. I always forget about that. Mad Dog Tannen. Yeah, that's, I do so my that's, all they, that's all we need. That's all they talk. That's all we need. Yeah, that's how they talk. So that's how they fucking talk. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I, re- I. That's an excellent, excellent question. I think you, like you said, Nick, it is a testament to his writing because I trusted him. Yeah, I mean, out it, of the gate, it's also his picture. I'm just this guy's not fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think if 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 the writing is good, you know it's a novel. You know it's fiction. Right. Like, if, if he can convince you of a thing through the writing. Without making you think that he did like Crichton level research. Invent- oh right, right. Yeah. You know what I mean. Who's to say he didn't? Well, who's to say he didn't? But it, I didn't feel sure. like I needed to know that he did. It felt authentic, even if perhaps it wasn't. And it's not. I feel like with, that's a good comparison because with Crichton, when we're looking at him, I feel like it's not a crutch, but he relies very heavily yeah. on that intellect and that research Correct. to move plot to move all this stuff whereas this is 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 more literary than it is and it's character driven yeah yeah and the absolutely. characters are are very very real yeah absolutely um any other thoughts on the the dialect being woven in there cuz it it feels wholly modern and and as we're saying that that matter of factness is i think the most sort of telling uh, as to what time period this is set in, because when we look at it now, there's there's just no debating or back and forth or wishy washy anything. Whereas that's our whole lives. Everything's looking at myriad perspectives right. because we have them afforded us. Those guys are dead in the next twenty years if they're lucky, right? And everybody at that time is in the same boat. You 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 you. I mean, I love. And let's just jump into this. The fucking toothbrush. Yeah. I think about that. I've been I think thinking about, about that for six years. My favorite fucking thing about the, uh, uh, in terms of like literary devices yeah. and stuff like that, that's the best thing you can do. At least once a week when I'm brushing my teeth, I 
like, ooh, this is this sensation. This is nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's the thing, because what's always stuck with me is I had a teacher at some point mention how a lot of the uh, mummified remains that they found in Egypt and stuff like that, the vast majority of them died from a cavity that went straight into their brain. Right. So so uh, fucking Jesus. dental care. Everybody that, that can happen. Right. The infection. Infection kills oh. it, kills you, right? I thought like a hole was gored into their skull. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking going. about the Mayans, my friend. Uh, yeah, no, it was it was a lot of um, uh, teeth decay, infection, bang, goes straight to your, you're dead. The Egyptians, they didn't figure out dental care. Nobody was really taking care of their teeth. And and so I had a teacher mention this. Perhaps they were a fucking liar, but this is what they told me. So that's always been in the back of my head. Whether it's fact or fiction, I think it's pretty much fact. So I'm thinking it's 1850 whatever and now dentistry has just been sort of like introduced and he is loosely loosely your dentist was like the guy. i want to talk about okay. that too yeah <laughs> um but so he's he's brushing his teeth every day and we see that this is this is now a thing that remains throughout the novel what do we think i don't ultimately do what sort of like purpose was for 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 introducing uh this new brand of medicine and 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 this idea of him taking so much pleasure in in brushing his teeth. I mean, it certainly uh, adds a a, a a layer of Jesus. My vocabulary left me. Sure. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it adds a layer of the thing with the thing. I really Sometimes like that. we brush our teeth and it makes our mouth feel tingly. <clears throat> I'm gonna go for the mint. The uh, what does he say? The um. I'm not a dapper Dan man. The, the, <laughs> Oh, the Jesus. fennel is absolutely ab- abhorrent. I apologize. Usually I'm very articulate. Yeah. <laughs> and modest. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> this early in the cast, yeah. anyway. Usually you're right on. Yeah. Uh, Adelaide, I, it, humanity, right? It was Eli that had the toothbrush, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it made him seem like a real person. And I think we experienced that as almost a new thing that was not... I, when's the last time you thought of brushing your teeth as a new, wonderful thing? Absolutely. It's like a fucking chore. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? So I think it really puts us in in a couple of spaces as him experiencing this new thing. So we get to experience this everyday mundane thing as new and full of wonder. Uh, and then he also um, just fucking funny. Yeah, that it keeps funny. going back to, for no reason. There's no bearing on the plot that 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 really serves of him brushing his teeth. The, I, the only thing I can see is he convinces Charlie to also begin brushing his teeth though he doesn't ultimately mm-hmm. right he doesn't really but oh, in that charlie. that that fleeting moment when charlie is not charlie when charlie is his younger self in that moment where he's you know joyful and uh, seems unencumbered by all the murder and and everything like that um i forget if it's in part one or two but but he's he's just singing to himself in sort of light and 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 Eli notes that he's like his, he was when he was a child again, and that's when he doesn't make fun of Eli about the toothbrush. He takes on and tries it, and he goes, "This is really wonderful. This is nice, you know." And it's 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 such a beautiful moment, and I feel like he uses that as sort of like the toothbrush is obviously, I think, self care, mm-hmm. and it's meant to represent self care. Uh, and we see that Charlie doesn't do that ever Eli is constantly contemplating it mm-hmm. um and and takes pleasure in it and and you know whatever um and that's that one moment when when he's he's 
unencumbered by all he's done. His sins are sort of yeah. like not on at the front of his mind, and that's when he can kind of think about himself and maybe take care of himself. For Just a serves to build character. That's all, really, right? Yeah, I actually felt it was part of a larger. I mean, with the with the solution that they're pouring into the water, that this new invention yes. to a new way to f- do an old thing. Yeah, um, with the toothbrush is very similar. You have this. You have. Eli and Charlie on opposite sides. Charlie very much revels in the violent nature of the world he's in. And Eli doesn't want it anymore. Yes. Even though he's really good at it. Yeah. Um, I think there's a struggle in Eli for wanting something else to, to, you know, take care of himself, to enter the next phase of whatever the country is going to be. Yeah. Um, because it's a toothbrush, very time, yeah. Yeah, and the toothbrush is a representation of that. Like, he, even in the most violent moments, dude is brushing his teeth. Yeah, he's remembering to. Yeah. Right? He's diligent with it, and, and the, the dentist makes that clear in the be, beginning to say that. Like, you know, do this every day, a couple times a day, and you're going to be feeling good, my friend. Like, you're going to be self-care, you know? It's pretty obvious, but I... I I didn't think of it initially. Yeah. So it's a fucking toothbrush. It's introduced because it's a new thing. Puts us in the time period for sure. Yeah. Like we're totally aware, if anything else, of when this is. But yeah, I yeah, think you're it's right. Just, just struggle between what we were as opposed to what we can be. Yeah. Um, because there's such a because they're in Oregon and California, right? Which yeah. is in complete flux. It's just the literal wild west. Yeah. There's nothing really cemented there and they're all figuring it out so it's so it's 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 completely and like it's new and they have an opportunity nature. yeah they have an opportunity not to be the way yeah. they were absolutely you know absolutely yeah he, he, was, he wants to be civilized you know um, well yeah we see with the clothing store right yeah. it's yeah. like what brother wants wasn't that like a yeah. wonderful thing like mm-hmm. wouldn't you love to just <laughs> but another thing like i'll Eli see is... you when i need a new shirt <laughs> <laughs> he he's constantly um you know, he's always trying to lose weight. Right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, For matters of the heart. You know, brushing your teeth and eating are connected, right? Mm. And they're both, you know, they're both civilized things that, you know, people who are thinking about. I mean, that's his conflict. You know, he's been following around doing this thing that his brother's been, you know, leading him around doing. But it's not really what he wants to do, you know. Yeah. Um, and I mean. <clears throat> on, he doesn't care about the money. No, no. I mean, neither of them it's really getting... seem to care about the money. Just... Charlie just likes the killing. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah. I think he likes being good at something, too. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, but like on a more like Freudian level or what have you, at the very end of the novel, they go back to their mother's house. Right. right. Um, so it's this idea also of um, comfort um, and, and uh, ultimately, I guess, control because he like could not control his weight he couldn't control his destiny his life his his occupation um but he could brush his teeth once a day so that's true yeah yeah he (laughs) has some sort of handle on it because everything else really is just balls in the air yeah um for sure and and that is really interesting because they do both have these things that i think center them uh that their mother has given them uh for eli it's it's course masturbating when he gets too angry or sad and uh for charlie it's it's talking to himself in the bath right he like works out the conversation that he's gonna have right that's like a thing that his mother encouraged him to do i guess is noted and and uh that is really interesting yeah to to see how it all how it all ends up that's it's interesting that a female their mother gave them what i guess we would call very masculine western traits like right 
masturbation and then not being able to talk to someone else. Right. <laughs> but being able to talk to yourself. Yeah, it's interesting it how like the mother character in this has become um, maybe corrupted or stripped of, you know, what we would perceive as like femininity or what have you. Absolutely. And because that, of the father's violence, do you think? So that's what I was going to actually bring up. Or the West in general. Yeah. 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 What, what do we think in terms of uh, female representation in the novel? Because there are a number of, of females in the novel. This is, right. this is obviously like, I guess one would probably argue like this is a very masculine yeah. book, right? This is one that I know um, I, I'm not sure that I would go out of my way to recommend it to, to many uh, uh Women who, who oh, I don't know. I think this is a critique of masculinity. So there's a lot of things going yeah. on here, right? I think at first glance, my instinct sure. would be like, "This is a dude book." Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then once we get into it, so I was wondering what our thoughts were with the uh, the various women who are introduced to right. this, typically as love interests of Eli's, um, which he's so well painted, because he seems like. I, I just feel like a lot of what I read is shit when I read something like this because I go, you would expect him to be sort of this like a uh, little bit of a cowering sort of dude who's, who's not good with women. And he isn't good with women because he's constantly like no, dropping, very kind. dropping coins in their pockets and <laughs> stuff like that, like <laughs> kind of treating them like whores, but they're not really doing anything whores whatsoever. Right, right. It's just what he kind of knows because his only interactions with women have been horse yeah. so uh that's the way he acts but also it's gifts like that's what he has to give so that's his gift yeah. and he he's not going to do like an origami rose because he doesn't Whatever. he has money so he gives them what he has right <laughs> and so what's interesting is I, the the way a number of the, the the women are painted in the in this book i found to be super interesting because many of them are like victims of circumstance but also more acutely aware of who the men are than the men themselves are. So I don't know. What do, what do we think about the, the female portrayals in the, in the book? Because I think you bring up, Drew, an excellent point with the mother. Like that, of course, we know the father, as they say, had to die. Right. So the brothers took care of that. And then the, the, his violence obviously has had a huge impact on the boys but then perhaps the mother, right, to prepare them for, like, how to cope with the damage that's obviously been done. She chooses these right. interesting ways in which to help them or develop their coping mechanisms. Um, but she's just one of many. Yeah, this is one of the things I struggled with, with when thinking about this book was how women were being, you know, all the archetypes that are present are whore, witch, um, the, the little girl is... She's kind of witchy. Kind of a demon. -ish, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, she kills that fucking dog. And then the bitch. mother who, you know, that's kind of an interesting, maybe not an archetype, definitely not an archetype, but she's kind of in her league of her own. Yeah. And, you know, you don't see any, um, anything other than these like masculinized versions of like, oh, like women, right? Right. Which is interesting because yeah. he's a screenwriter as mm -hmm. well, DeWitt. Yeah. And what a lot of people, you know, when we're looking at film argue is that the camera lens is masculine. And the, the camera lens, uh, when we're looking at, you know, feminist 
critical theory and stuff like that. The the camera lens is is masculine, so it it sexualizes the female and and it, it does all these things to right. the female. And so if you're typically if you're looking at something through that kind of lens from time to time, perhaps it's going to show up subconsciously or consciously as yeah. well. And and I think I I would agree with you that that that's sort, not that it's always sexualized, but that it does have this masculine sheen. Yeah, and their representation. And I don't know if it's a it's a product of you know the author's bias. I mean, he's creating this world, right? Sure. So the idea is that like the West is brutal, right? Yeah. The West is, I guess, you know, American man, right? And surviving of the strongest, and yes. in this case, it's a lot of the physically strongest right. too. Yeah. And every 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 interaction in the book is transactional. So, you know, um, how do the women? survive in a transactional you know environment well yeah what do they they have have, to sell what do they have (laughs) they have sex or spells or like you know um suspicion or like casting you know like uh paranoia with the dream with the little girl and everything like that yeah just fucking with guys heads yeah yeah (laughs) so so it's it's interesting like would we say then that in the book cleverness is a feminine trait yeah that's a good read so 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 then uh warm and Morris, and I think this this then follows suit. Warm and Morris would be then considered more feminine, uh, in in absolutely in this yeah, one hundred percent. It was why Warm was sort of like was name was Warm. He, wasn't he constantly <laughs> being robbed during that caravan? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he was he was a thinker. He was. Um, well, he's made fun of constantly because right. he looks like a schoolboy. He's a grown man, but he's right. carrying a satchel of books with right. him all the time, like he's headed to fucking. The longhouse, you know. Yeah, so I mean that in and of itself. I mean, you're in a world that that detests intellect. intelligence and intellect, right? So and so that makes it a modern read too, because that's pretty much 2018. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> wow, we're getting there. <laughs> no, but I mean, and, and then I mean, and I'll speak to the film later. But in the in the film, Morris and Warm have a very close friendship. I thought they were lovers at first. And that's what the movie oh, okay. posits. In- you know what I mean? Insinuated. They're, they're, uh, they have a very intimate friendship. Now, yeah. it doesn't go further to insu- insu- um, insinuate, insinuate yeah. anything else. It's Coors Light. Um, <laughs> but he has that their, 20, their so friendship like is an outlier uh, against all of the other relationships in the film. And then Charlie wants in. Yeah. Right? Charlie wants in. And well, then no, a- Eli. Eli wants in, right? But like Charlie Char- takes him for a walk. Right, right, right. That's you true. think you're going to kill him, but they're like getting a bath together. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah, so it's like this. <laughs> well, and it, it, that's interesting because then you look at like, um, was it those those Russian steam baths and stuff like that? Mm. Very overtly sort of like homoerotic type thing, but it's these big fucking right. burly dudes, yeah. you know, that are, that are engaging in that shit, like whipping each other with branches and whatnot. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> that's what that scene just makes me think of. I don't know. Uh, the The bathhouses or yeah. something like that but yeah it's that is but it would it would say that you know sensitivity is a thing that will get you killed would get you killed but it's also a thing that eli wants you know yeah absolutely you know and 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 we see because i don't intimacy think he's sensitivity all of that his reactions to when he is too far the other way yeah it's extreme violence when mm-hmm. he, he's, he's shooting into floorboards and he's oh, yeah. losing his fucking mind um, oh, he's just—he's an extraordinarily violent person. Yeah, and and I feel like that violence is when he's breaking. You know, you see it when 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 right. it's too much, and then he breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because he d- there's no there's no balance there. He has a temper. Yeah, 
Whereas yeah. Charlie's just a sociopath. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. aptly put. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about warm that kind of fascinated me was that, and I think, you know, if you want to bring it to 2018 and what have you, it's, you're not allowed to be eccentric until you have reached like a Kanye West level of eccentricity and then it's accepted. You yeah, know? it's only accepted when yeah when you, when you have something sort of like worthwhile to offer. Right. When you, when you're only eccentric sort of for your own yes. good or uh, that because makes that's you, who you happy. Are. Right. Yeah, like like individual <laughs> happiness is not valued. It's no. valued when when it can be monetized and and, Correct. and and more can benefit from your right your weirdness. Because he warm warm never really changed. Fuck yourself <laughs> until you can help us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he he doesn't change until he. You know, invent something that people are like, oh, yep. You know, yeah. Yep. Take notice of, and it and it arguably could be beneficial, which brings me to another talking point that I found to be one of the coolest things that shows up here. Where there's juxtapositions throughout, right? We see it start with Eli and Charlie, and it goes on. But one of the most interesting ones to me was this idea of uh, magic and science. Mm-hmm. That we have the witch uh, and these dream sequence and these different things that 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 there's this intangible it reminds me of a, a fantastic show that i'm sure i've mentioned on the cast before uh hbo put it out years ago called carnival and it's 1920s carnival where uh it starts with the 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 um little person from uh twin peaks uh is in it he's like the carnival barker and he says he gives this intro and he says uh in a time when people uh traded wonder for reason and this is that time too, I think, where we have Absolutely. the scientist uh, in in warm. We have the doctor, who is the dentist, right? And he got his uh, he what he memorized the nerve chart, and then he became a dentist, and he gets his tools. But he's arguably a good dentist. He extracts right. those teeth, does a damn good job. Eli is cool, heals up nicely. He instructs him on how to use it too. So like, and he has Novocaine. And he has Novocaine, right? And so there's there's this really interesting sort of dichotomy between uh, um, wonder and reason, you know, where where they're not leaving the house because they think a witch has cursed it, right. but they're also going to a dentist and a chemist on a regular basis to get morphine and right. proper medical care. Um, and so I was I was wondering what our what our thoughts were there as to perhaps. Is he just commenting on this is this is the time like this is a, a really interesting and, and wonderful time in the world in the mid 1800s and uh, where we s- start to see this occur or is he trying to argue there's something more there that we that we can't abandon wonder for solely one or we, we can't be living in one world or the other wonder or, or, or reason uh, magic and science you know? would you consider this an allegory the book as a whole yes you know it's difficult for me to because I think about that a lot I, I think my mind wants to immediately turn everything into allegory right. okay. um, but this one I felt was just so character driven mm-hmm. and, and almost like a road tripping adventure piece hell yeah that, that I thought it was I really thought it was a very fucking entertaining Right. Adventure. I, I I saw. I think that's why I got through it so fast, you know, and stuff like that. Um, I see it more as an adventure than an allegory, but right. I think you can make the argument because that would that would influence my answer to your question, you know. Uh, well, you because I feel like feel. it's um. If well, what it, do you think? Well, I feel like he's just <laughs> you fucking <laughs> brought it up. Yeah, I mean, 
Um, it's it's a. Uh, Do you think it's an allegory? I I read it as an allegory. Yes. There you go. Um, stand and on that soapbox. So, <laughs> die on that hill, as yeah. it were. <laughs> and like you, I pretty much think everything's an allegory. Right. Yeah. You know, it's difficult not to once you get um, it. Right. <laughs> but I mean, the whole idea of Wonderverse science and everything. I mean, allegorically speaking, and applied to today. I mean, is that not human nature? Like. Is that yeah. not anything we don't know we think is, you know, wonder? Yeah, or, like our knee-jerk reaction right. is, is magic. Yeah, when you don't yeah. when you don't know about science, you know, you don't believe in climate change, right? And you sure. think that, like, homosexuals are causing um, hurricanes and things yeah, like and that. Yeah, like frogs are yeah, going to be doing right. it with one another, yeah. So, like, that's kind of how I read it was just, like, this is I, – I guess I give authors a lot of credit and wisdom <laughs> yeah i think De dewitt deserves it though yeah and, and that's probably why we you, you're moved there because mm -hmm. because he's earned your trust and your yeah. respect throughout the entirety of the novel by right. doing it fucking well mm -hmm. yeah yeah i no i i i have no stance to disagree with you other than like you i read a lot of heavy shit right and <laughs> this is so well done that i kind of took more pleasure in the pleasure of it and the entertainment than to continually, though I couldn't help but do it, wrap my mind around what this might allegorically signify. I wanted to see more um, alchemy, though. Yeah, that was super cool. Um, because when they're using the, the solution in the river, you know, I mean, that falls right into that category, and that falls right into that time period. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it didn't really go there. You know. Interesting. <laughs> so essentially when uh I mean, but we have to keep in mind that it goes wrong. Right. Right. But it's like, it's, it's it's incredibly toxic. toxic and potent. So they don't know enough about science right. to actually execute it well to 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 keep their lives, you know? And ultimately, you know, perish because it, Charlie can no longer do what Charlie does. Yeah, Charlie you know? has to have his Sand amputated. Right. Yeah. His shooting hand, bro. Right. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and he can no longer defend himself, and he and and he is forced to become, um, a person who needs people. So, so if it mm. were allegorical, I mean, it might be a socialist text in that mm. way, you know, where it, it it's to say that we we need one another because yeah. if we go too far into science, we're gonna we're gonna perish, you know. Like, there's only so much that we can fucking do and then it, but if we go too far into into magic we're going to be stuck in a house because we think there's some invisible curse right there but why does eli leave the house when he thinks it's cursed to save another a horse that he doesn't even want yeah and his own brother stay at the horse for yeah. a second please. his own brother wouldn't come in yeah. through the curse yeah. for his own blood right and but yet eli goes eli through the, the curse for a horse he doesn't yeah. even want and i think in that way and I'm just thinking about this now. Thank you, Drew, for bringing it up. But like that, it could really be. You know, we need one another. Yeah. Just, I think the the horse bit probably goes back to what we were talking previously. But to name a thing and to care about something Tub. that is otherwise helpless. Yep. You know what I mean? Tub. To to show care and to call it a friend. Yeah. Because when the horse dies, Eli oh, and to is, have a much better thing show up. Eli is is like devastated. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that is. Well, he has the black horse show up, superior to Tub in every way. Yeah, but 
Tub and was he friend. chooses, yeah, Tub is Tub he was can't his friend. Let Tub go. Yeah, Tub and is it was, his friend. Um, He's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think that was a very beautiful part of the book. So what's a black um, horse symbolized? And there's, and there's well, it's interesting. You know? um, so, so a dark horse, right? Dark horse. Yeah. So isn't a dark horse like a foreboding uh, sort yeah. of symbol there, like mm-hmm. something? Uh, unknown uh is 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 going to to come out of nowhere on you Hmm. which it does right uh, and i think it's interesting that the reason it come that horse comes up is because of fat indian uh who who ate too much had a heart attack (laughs) and the the horse this perfect horse shows up at his door like oh my god um and he lets it go yeah it's uh it's definitely interesting um i think that there's Ultimately, at the end of this, where we see this battle between, you know, sort of science and 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 reason and magic and 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 wonder, um, there's there's this interesting thing that these killers have, which is intuition, and that they're relying heavily on that, and that I think is something inherently human that bridges the gap between those two things, mm-hmm. like uh, science, logic, reason versus magic, wonder, those types. I think intuition just walks that line because. We're logical, but we also have this unexplainable, intangible in us, which I would argue is intuition. And that's how, if we look at the characters, they're using that a lot. Um, and to me, I think that that idea of balance and that idea of sort of a needing of one another uh, is is sort of at the core of, of this this yeah. text. Um, it's fucking fantastic. Great. I can't recommend it enough. That's I, great. I absolutely love it. Uh, that's my closing thought. Is is I really saw this idea of balance, and 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 not letting go, or relying too heavily on one or the other, right? Because you don't want to become the witch sleeping on a mattress of dirt, and being a psycho. And you don't want to be, and and you also don't want to be warm, who who ultimately dies by his own hand, yeah. you know, because he's become so horse blinded to what he thinks is progress that he forgets that there's this other piece that exists out there um so i don't know any other closing closing thoughts there like i said earlier um i think this is very allegorical what i admire the most there's a lot to admire about this book what i think i admired and still admire about the this man's book. uncanny resemblance to yourself. Yes, <laughs> handsome devil. Um, what a guy. Uh, aces. Uh, is Dewitt is, uh, is is a masterful storyteller. Absolutely. This is absolutely a really, really well done story. Um, no detail seems unnecessary. No, no. I remember when we were when I was stu- we were studying this book. Um, uh, Josh Izzard had given us the plan, the Planiac essay about Hempel, and he yeah. was talking about the things about minimalism to, to tell stories. Yeah. And the one was horses. Yeah. Where you have these devices that pull you through the book, and you start with, you end with the same horse that you started. Yep. And a lot of uh, uh, the book, they there's a lot of horses in this book, particularly uh, an actual horse. It's quite a race. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a toothbrush. Uh, you know, the, the internal quest struggle between both of them. Yep. <clears throat> it's really, it's it's an e- exemplar uh, exhibit of storytelling. Absolutely. Most definitely. I wish I could get a class out of this because I could just, 
and give it to like my freshmen so we could point to it throughout all of their high school career. Yeah. Cause I feel like that would be so useful. Yeah. Um, and, and that, and that's frankly how I would, how I would teach this. This is, this is how, uh, history becomes myth, you know, a cross curricular thing would be fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, how guys like Wyatt Earp and those, those dudes become myth, like because of the, you know, how, how, how the time in which one lives impacts, um, sort of the story that gets told. I, and that's a brief one, but that's how I would teach it. That's that's how I would use this text yeah. for sure. Nick, um, I love the book when I read it. Um, I didn't read it in whole. I read. I went back to bits in prep for the show, but I saw the film, and the film was made by oh uh, yeah Jacques. French names escape me, so forgive me. Jacques Aldiard, something like that. Yeah, um, who so. also adapted uh, a short story from one of my favorite modern writers uh craig davidson another canadian um dominating the lit scene it feels yeah, like yeah yeah um anyway the film is excellent um i think it it revels in the the fun and the nastiness of the west and uh john c Riley is amazing with joaquin phoenix i mean you, that pairing was just I know. astonishing i was psyched for that um not to mention Warm and Morris's pairing as yeah. well with Jill yeah. and Hall and, uh, and um, the dude Riz from Ahmed. Yeah, from yeah. Uh, the the night in question, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on, on top of that, it is more accessible than the book for squeamish folk. I would say. Okay. Like it, it, it sort of lessens the, the brutality. Graphic. Of... No, the brutality is there. Okay. The graphic nature of the violence is gotcha. is somehow cut. Yeah. That they, they don't. They cut away. They 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 don't really linger on shots. Um, the the arm removal scene. Yeah, the arm removal scene is very tame as okay. compared to what it could have been. Right. Um, so uh, I don't know. I think it's a great western. I think it's a great modern western. Um, and it does the story. And justice. it does the story more so. Yeah, than I would have expected it to be able to. So in comparison, this is I think our marker, especially because it was our first episode. We're talking about movie to novel. Yeah. Does it hold up in the same way uh, that the Fight Club novel to movie works? Well, the the Fight Club film had to become its own thing to work. It's so fantastic, right? Yeah. You know, it, it it had to rely on its filminess, sure, to, sure, to, sure, yeah. to, to work. This just was more uh, a straight adaptation of a book into a film in which they weren't pulling any tricks on you. It's a good story. Um, yeah, it's just a really good story that deserved to and be on the screen. Written in a way that yep. really translates well to the screen. Yep, so, and it yeah. did. And it did, did a re- great, great job. And if if you haven't seen John C. Riley in a uh, dramatic role, this is the one to do it because he, he crushes it. And, and he's so also it, extraordinarily funny, which is yeah. part of the book itself. And it's his production company that bought it. So yeah. I, I imagine yep. he was fully oh, he was in. in this yep. in more ways than one. Yep. Yeah. Um. So... I rarely read books like this. And, right, you're uh, saying, yeah. Usually, when I read books, it's it's more of a struggle. <laughs> um, for whatever reason, now now I know I have to read more books like this. But the thing that really struck me was in the beginning how short the chapters were. Yeah. And then that kind of gets you into that gets you hooked. So like his hook was through uh, structure, and I found that super interesting in the world that we live in and people you know whatever social media and attention Sound spans bites and, and things like that yep. yeah because i mean we're both teachers and we know how hard it is for to get kids to read and stuff like that so i don't know if that was the purpose or not but that's what got me invested 
yep. was that I was about 30, 40, 50 pages in after the first, you know, half hour, 45 minutes of reading. And I was just like, oh, shit. Now I got now. Now I'm into this book. I'm so, in a story. Yeah. You're all Da Vinci code. Over my, here. Uh, <laughs> my feet are muddied. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. I mean, I think we covered pretty much everything else. But uh, yeah, that was the first thing that hit me was like, oh, this this is really enjoyable. Yes. You know, yeah. absolutely. Nice. Awesome. Terrific. Can I uh, posit a question before we get out of the old, the old West? Oh, Lord. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's a fun game I like to play every once in a while when I'm drinking. Uh, and here we are again. <laughs> uh, what would you do to survive your first 24 hours if you were instantly transported back to 18? Uh, when, when was this? 1857 or something? Yeah. yeah. Your first day, you are wearing what you're wearing. You've got all the knowledge you have with you, and that's all you're bringing. Really? How would you survive your first 24 hours? I'll answer that right now. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, I just, just, you, you're the biggest dude here. Yeah, I'm also a big it's, baby. It's stacked <laughs> oh, in your my favor. Foot. But nobody knows that. Oh, my but no foot. one knows that. Say, um, t- to be perfectly honest, I, I would probably seek out something that I think everybody would want, which is whoever is supplying the alcohol. That would be my first thing. Yeah. I would I would seek out who, who has the alcohol, who's bringing it in, and because I know how to make it, I would probably immerse myself in that world is the first thing I would fucking do. Big ups to my bootlegging family. Yeah. That's what I would. That's, that's what I would do, man. The how it's been bootleggers for a hundred years, <laughs> and I, that's what I would do. I think that's the best way to start because everybody look at the book; they're constantly brandy sick. Yeah. I mean, and you look at Deadwood. You look at all that shit. That would be my first thing: hmm. find the alcohol, be a part of it, make it better. Yeah, yeah. make it better. Exactly. Because everybody's gonna pay extra for tasty booze. I'd uh, I'd align myself to the uh, natives. Oh, Boom. they would. They Boom. would move. All right. Yeah. Yeah. How? You don't speak their language. Yeah, it would. They would be freaked out by me, and uh, maybe I would sing to them. Why would they be? <laughs> why would they be freaked out? By well, you? because I'd be coming to them. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I'll, uh, if you're, if you're going Kevin Costner. Towards, yeah, Tatanka. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I would probably sell out the uh, the set list. There you go. So you do play the other side. Yeah. I said on. Yeah. Oh. I'm the first to go. <laughs> this fucker's dead. <laughs> I, I would be gutted in a day. <laughs> I think I would. I would. No hope for yourself. I don't think so. Really? I, I listen. I am born for my time and place. Okay. I, I am not. Hey. For that's a great thing to know else. about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've thought often about like, oh, what would I do in this situation? What would I do in that? I, like, I know what die. I would like to do. I know what I'd sure. like to do. I know also know what I'm capable of. Yeah, and I don't know if I'm capable of making it a week, much less. It's a brutal time. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, first of all, only no in toilet situations no would you know. <laughs> but only when put in those situations, do you really know? Oh yeah, like 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 who who you are and 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 what you got. Sure, you know, and, and you very well might that, but you very well might just find this resilience or something in, in inside you because that's that's you know. You pick we made up some it kind far. of bug and shit yourself to death in a day. <laughs> right. Yeah, you get, you get a, that's true. <laughs> like, there's, it's so gross back then. Yeah. So gross. Died of dysentery. Yeah. 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 I would probably do like you, Nick. I would either go to a bar and just try to find work, just sweep a floor. Sure. Just 
Get in the bar low. And you need a place. You need a place to sleep. <laughs> you do that night. Where are you, you gonna? Gotta. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, sleep. that bug is way more. Oh, it's coming for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crawl right up your butt. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe eventually uh, find a guitar somehow. Okay. And uh, just try to eke out a living. Yeah, I think a guitar. Like that's what I was saying. Uh, you know, this Drew's got a, a angelic voice. I feel like uh, that would be the route. If but I play the drums and I. No one needs like this, so no one wants me. Yeah. Yeah. Not then. I'm no good to anybody. <laughs> Not then, so that's why I'm going to bootleg. Yeah, and join I'm the good natives. To somebody. Think about all the yeah, songs. I could join the natives. Yeah. You Actually, You're singing I could join the son. fucking natives. They they value the drums. That's my people. There you go. Actually, oh, there you go. Yeah. Or you could just start, start singing. I'd probably be smoking way more than I'd be drinking anyway. So I'd instantly, be instantly dead as well. <laughs> okay, you too. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. All right. So it goes. Nicely done. Cheers. Cheers. Well done. All right, let's get into the record here, boyos. Uh, talking about Shaky Graves' 2011 release, same year as the Sisters Brothers. Um, this is Roll the Bones. Was it 2011 for Sisters Brothers? Can it was. I just yeah. break in for a moment? When we were going to do this record, I thought we were doing Ryan Gosling's band. <laughs> Ryan Gosling has a band? Yes, called... Uh, uh, called what? The, what the fuck? I have it right this, here. This man's name is Alejandro. Dead Man's Bones. Dead Man's Bones, okay. So I was like, Dead Man, roll the bones. Yeah. Sounds like Ryan Gosling's band. Yeah. No, I was, uh, <laughs> Baby Goose is not involved in this whatsoever. <laughs> this is a, a, a man from Austin, Texas of Mexican descent. His name's actually Alejandro, uh, but he goes by Shaky Graves. He, uh, I would say, resembles my friend Drew a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> if Drew's got a serious, awesome beard and uh, Shaky keeps his shit real clean shaven. Um, but I, dude, I, I really love Shaky Graves. Our, uh, uh, friend and, um, peer one, Chad Taranicki turned me on to Shaky Graves a while ago. Is that right? Um, he would do that too. What's this is a very is Chad band. To sort of like harken back to how we ended the book section. Um, I went to visit Chad and his brother in Montana and talk about knowing your sort of like, uh, you know, worth or whatever we were in the snow and i remember feeling frostbite and just running and they found me face down passed out in the snow on three occasions in in the span of a few hours oh, because God. i kept on going we're gonna fucking i just i was like i was like we're gonna fucking die i, I the sun has gone down it is it is below zero i am cold yeah. and they were like no you gotta stay calm and that's one of the things that actually shows in the book. In any case, Chad recommended this to me a while ago. Shaky Graves, I would classify him as sort of a um, uh, you know indie folk sort of realm. But to me, I cannot help but hear uh, early Modest Mouse. I can't help but hear it. A little bit there. And 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 I, I a lot of people that I've talked to about uh, Mr. Graves uh, disagree heavily. But I'm gonna point out a few songs that I think you might, and 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 ways why. But what are your comparisons? Let's let's give the people some. Can I chime in? Some yeah, go can for I, it. Can I chime in? Oh, can by I, all can means. I, can I thank you. Can thank I, you. This is book record beer, baby. Co-host. That's you, baby. <laughs> go for it. Oh, uh, you said indie folk, and I just want to. I, I right. I just want to just clarify. Ah, such a term when right when I hear indie folk, because I was trying to uh, describe this band to my wife, uh, I was like, there's banjos in it, but it's not. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't grasp the vocabulary then as now. Uh, what I just said in default. Yeah, yeah. It's um, 
it's not bluegrass. Oh, when you say right, indie folk, right. I think people they hear that. Hey, that fucking stomp nonsense. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yep. Thank fucking you. Stomp there was a whole period of stomp nonsense. <laughs> oh, it still we can't happened. pretend like that didn't yeah. exist. Yeah, and be, I didn't know we were. I just didn't know we were calling it stomp nonsense. <laughs> well, what else would you call it? What <laughs> else? I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, the banjos and the stomping. Well, it's more the haze. I think the haze is what gets me there. Yeah. Like, oh, hey, hey, like it's yeah. There's so much crowd participation. It's like I feel like I'm at fucking uh, summer camp or some shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> that's true. Summer camp. I never even. <laughs> summer I never camp. really thought about it that way. But yeah, no, I, I realize indie folk is a fucking shit term but it's it's one of those things where it's not a shit term i just wanted to be clear that it's not bluegrass because that's what i immediately think bluegrass of i see as as a as an art form man real bluegrass but i indie, don't know how they do that but that indie bluegrass. folk real bluegrass yeah. that's what i'm saying like it's the not speed bluegrass. at which they play <laughs> blows my uh-huh. dome to pieces and it's so tight it's so tight <laughs> i mean you talk about changes like these metal dudes and, and whatever think harmonies? they can change. Yeah. Nah, dude. <laughs> Try doing it on a fucking eight string where the strings are so close together. You can't even get a pick in between. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. But this is not the Yvette brothers. It is not the... <laughs> I, once again, I think you're pronouncing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back and to the Fosses are on such oh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the, the Affleck brothers. Yeah. That's ah, a Flight <laughs> Brothers film. Um, I think you guys just say it wrong. Coheens, the Coheens have put out another film the as well. <laughs> In any case, shaky. It's the Coheens, by the way. Um, I actually feel like this is such a unique album in that it, it it's just a collage of song. I, I'm not sure that it, in my opinion, you know, you feel free to disagree. Of course, this this felt to me like he had probably 40 songs for this because this is the first one right that you can find on the band camp anyway um this is in on spot i don't think the albums for spotify and stuff like that start until 2016 right it's from 2011 so he has five years of work that is is only here this is the beginning of it as far as we can tell and it seemed like i bet he i feel like he had 40 50 fucking songs and these were the ones that just like stood out because they're so unique, but also different from one another. It's a, it's just a beautiful collage of work, in my opinion. Like a patchwork quilt. Absolutely. Of sound. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It, but it is, it's, it's not tenuously held together. His voice, I think, is that that really redeeming thing. And the, it's weird. I found it to be weird. I, I, it's his it's voice straight, or the album. The album. The album. The way he writes songs, frankly, they're they're not straight ahead Mm-mm. fucking songs they're they're weird and yeah. and he weaves in like what are you white zombie he's got fucking just like narration <laughs> from clips. movies and sound clips yeah. just just woven throughout like he's a product of the exact same time that we're from um i feel like and and you know i listened to astro creep 2000 which has just movie <laughs> fucking quotes throughout and, you know how many times have you have you seen that you got better fitter warmer right like all that shit mm-hmm. uh and he does it in a way that's uniquely his, and I, I think that's why he's he's well, grown to popularity. It's like honest songwriting. It is. It's. I feel like it's the way I respond best is 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 to a song that feels like it came out of a jam. Like there's a natural organic flow mm-hmm. to the song, and that's what many, if not all, of these felt like to me. So I don't know what your initial reactions were, uh, but that's mine. Well, going back to genre. <clears throat> um, 
when I was learning how to play this song and I was watching some live stuff and looking at what his audience looks like and kind of pulling the whole aesthetic together. I was, and when you said white zombie, I think you're right. It's, yeah. um, <laughs> it's a, it's like a goth folk. Yeah, there you go. Kind of thing. I you would know? be apt to agree. Yeah. There was a lot of black lipstick in the audience and things like that. Oh um, shit. Yeah. Th- it's like in his audience in his audience. Yeah. Um, at this one festival that I was watching anyway. Um, and I mean, he plays in, (laughs) (laughs) and he plays in a lot of metal tunings too. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. You were noting that. Yeah. And it reminds me of, um, you know, the tallest man on earth. Yeah. He, he plays in similar tunings and he's a, you know, reformed metal guitarist, you know? There you go. And it kind of reminded me of, of a very similar thing. And the, um, the subject matter is very, I mean, shaky graves, roll the bones, you know what I mean? It's very, uh. You know, gravedigger esque, morbid, yes. yeah, 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 macabre, absolutely. But he's sure. changed that completely. I think, like now. Well, that makes me wonder. Like, does he <laughs> want to abandon that those those roots? Because the, you know, he's he's uh, got a whole bunch more players in. This is this is a, one of the most lo-fi albums mm. that I've heard in a while. You yeah, know what I mean, like, that, this that is, was the thing that strung out to me. I was like, I, I feel like these are demos, right? You well, think, have you ever heard Roman Candle, uh, Elliot Smith? Mm. The, the the quality of recording uh, reminds me of that a little bit. I got it got early bright eyes, like he was there recording it on yeah. a tape re- tape deck. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. like uh, Julie Rune, mm. <laughs> but way different because Julie Rune's like a drum machine and shit. But the sound, the quality is what. We're yeah, and it, it's very fuzzy and and quiet. Like you really got to turn it up. I felt like I felt like it just it yeah. was like in the in the background of my headphones. You know? Sure, 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 sure. It was, uh, it's like sort of confessional. I thought the experience of listening to it. Okay. Uh, it seemed like I guess maybe it was just the quality of the recordings, but I also think the, uh, the nature of the song, uh, writing and the nature of the song. Yeah. It felt very honest. It didn't seem it was like a manufactured product. It seemed like here's a guy. Yep. With, with his with his song, and uh, just putting it out on on Bandcamp for you. Exactly. So that's not even he didn't even go the the mile when he was, you know, at a higher level in his career to put this on iTunes or Spotify. Like he left this. Yeah. Uh, this is you, you find it if you want. Yeah. Yeah. And and I was just gonna say because we're all uh, musicians at the table here. If you were to, because I believe absolutely any one of our bands could be on the same bill as this dude. Yeah. Given I mean given the time period that we'd be playing him, I think absolutely, you know. And so if, if you were on the bill with 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 Shaky Graves for this album is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um what would you think of it? What do you mean? Like if you're playing, right? Cuz that's a difference. That's a different like we're listening to it as as listeners of music, right? But if now we're musicians and we're we're playing a show and you're on the bill and he's playing this, how does that come across? Does it hit you in the in the same way? Because I feel like, and and I think Drew will attest to this, he improvises quite a bit. Sure, like yeah. he's a super comfortable player. And when you do watch the live clips, none of this is what it what it what it looks like. So I I I, I found that I had in listening to this so much respect for him because I felt like this is a dude who's literally doing whatever whatever the fuck it is that he wants. You know, and I, I, I don't know, would it would would it change anything or no? I think he would. <laughs> if I were in a building with this guy, I wouldn't want to play. 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to play after him. No. Like, <laughs> he's like, going to how, how the fuck do I play after that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was, was, I was, it was haunting. The, and, the and assumption was wonderful. that we'd be opening for him. But. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't have even wanted to play. Sure, I got you. Like, it's yeah, yeah. one of those things where you, you just know you're not as good. Yeah. <laughs> I, he's just, he's, he's so fucking comfortable. I think his voice is bad as shit. I mean that in like the most possible. Michael like, Jackson, like, just a bad motherfucker. Like um, there was a band called The Comrade in Philly. Right, and it goes like that. But there, he fucking runs the gamut throughout the whole album. Yeah, I've I found. I don't know. I'm always drawn to people that can sing because I can't, and I I I love that. And he he seems to have a range that's like you know. Really, really incredible. He's got that. Uh, well, I mean, he creates the aesthetic through his the gravel, right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of That's like Eli movie. and Charlie, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then nice because <laughs> he's got the gravel, but he also like in the roll of the bones, he does his ooze and things like that, which There's a sweetness to it. Yep, yep, go up and get sweet and you know speak to the ladies in the crowd. There's an that? aspiration to something, uh, you know, uh, beyond. The performance yeah 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 absolutely when i um all right this speaks more to my bias and me as a uh, struggling musician but <laughs> when i first saw him i did categorize him in those like ho hey foot stomping people because he does do stomp nonsense stomp nonsense yeah. yes because he does <laughs> do like excuse the, you. the drum thing with yes. his feet and everything mm-hmm. like that um uh, and I was like, that's annoying. Yeah. I was like, that's, that's a hokey thing that he's doing. You know what I mean? Like just hire a drummer, but yeah, it, it actually, he you is know, hitting a suitcase though. Right. That. And he, he, <laughs> sits, oh, even worse. he sits on, it. I was like, how much do you weigh that you don't crush that suitcase? Um, he's a tiny Mexican man. Yeah. Cause I would have crushed that suitcase. It would have definitely opened halfway through the song. Your beard alone <laughs> is way enough. Yeah. Your pantaloons would have spilled all over this thing. But, you know, I mean, if you when I was learning the song, I just was like, you know what? I'm just the asshole because this guy's legit and he's just traveling the country by himself. Well, he was. Now he has a full band and the whole nine. But and he was just, you know, that's how he was making his name and his music at the time. And and that's pretty goddamn commendable. You know, that's cojones, man. Yeah. Yeah, that really is. And I didn't even mean to say it like that, but (laughs) it absolutely it absolutely is like that's that's balls. And um, yeah, you were noting like he he's like a finger picking master. He's very comfortable. Yeah, like <laughs> he's he's just running around the the fucking neck, which is which is wild. Because you know I I don't I can't play the guitar at all. But when you were showing me like what he's doing, mm-hmm. I mean it's it's like it's it's almost like an uh, expert pianist, you know, like just just yeah. being able to keep that one hand doing something like we were talking about when you break through the wall right. like i know as a drummer there's that one day when you when you break through and you have that quadra independence and, mm. and every limb can do its own thing and you're just like when this door opens and it's like oh that kind of feels like I got the that same feeling sort the first time i was able to successfully smoke a cigarette <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ. I did it! I did it! (laughs) I don't think I've ever successfully smoked a cigarette. Tom Bannon, our previous guest, will attest to that because I just keep it in my mouth when I blow it out. And he's like, you pussy! Why am I giving you these goddamn things? They're so much more meaningful to me because I know how to use them. (laughs) Daniel, thoughts? 
Uh, it's okay. Sorry, I was just looking at. Uh, well, give me this. What's your favorite track? What was uh? You don't have to name it, but was there a particular song? Yeah, well, me, actually, you sorry, should. Let me get the band camp up. Oh, well, so I, I won't be able to because I. It's it's the nature of how we can at least I consume a lot of music. Yeah, I'm not. That's why I said that. I yeah. figured that was. Does yeah, anybody? Yeah. I'll be honest. My favorite. I fucking I keep on I always want to say corporate lunch I don't know why but it's business lunch right in the middle it starts with that like minute long sort of just like uh, clip right and then it, business lunch could be on uh, fucking moon in Antarctica it could be on uh, lonesome crowded west it, it sounds like a modest mouse song to me but done by him because what I noticed on this album especially is uh, just like uh, Brock, he's doing these layered vocals of real different sort of like cadences and 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 tones and stuff like that. And uh, business lunch, ah, I just fucking I fucking love it because it's it's just mocking the yuppies and the nine to five mindset and that that nonsense. And then it's also this just like beautifully like real dark weird song. So that was my favorite. I I'm you've probably noticed this before, but I'm. When a opening track really grabs you, oh yeah, "Unlucky Skin" was wonderful because it brought me back it to is. a moment like when I was nineteen. A lot of comments on the band camper for that song as well. Is that right? Yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah. When I was nineteen, I guess I I started listening to music that wasn't anything that I was. Like, I wanted to start listening to stuff that I hadn't tried before. Sure. So I bought um, "I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning" by Bright Eyes. Yes. And there's a couple just acoustic tunes on that oh record, like Lua. Yep, and it just reminded me of that, and it kind of gave me that, that yep feeling of getting my breath caught up in my chest. Absolutely, dude. I uh, bought so. a seven inch of um, the B side was "Soon You'll Be Leaving Your Man," mm. and the first one was "First Day of My Life." Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah my God, that song. Th- was that was the, the, the yeah, that was song. the A side, and my God, yeah. I must have listened to that fucking seven inch just flipping it back and yeah. forth, back and forth, back and forth. For, for for and like with a record like that, like you listen to it once, and it's a different experience when you listen to those songs every you know every couple years or days, whatever. Sure, but you never get back that first time. Yes, and then this as soon as I turned this oh, track I on, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "It's nicely done." It's just, it's just I'm a young time. man again. <laughs> yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah, it is a fucking fantastic way to start mm-hmm. an album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm leaning more towards "Roll the Bones," maybe because I listened to it the most. It's since so the song that you guys are we- performing it right. a little bit. Yeah, um, that's weird too. It's a good song. It's a departure from the first couple. Yeah, it's like what number three on the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It the, uh, it it doesn't follow the aesthetic of the previous. But I listened to the album probably three or four times, and I just kind of put it on a loop. It, it ended, and I just hit I hit play again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know the names of the songs, but it, there there is like a, a cadence that the the album as a whole uh, true hits. Um, it's got a live one thrown in the middle, and then <laughs> yeah. like, and then after that he's got. I was I was going for a run and you know it's it started it became a little bit of like background right and then all of a sudden I hear this talking the penis is the most frightening of the I was yep. like what what's, what's happening right now <laughs> yeah yeah and that's what I'm saying he just throws in these these bizarre clips uh, I mean they have to do with the lyrics and the you know the next song or whatever yeah but like yeah he he does he, but it seems coherent even it is coherent but it's also he could not give. Less of a fuck what you think. It's it's the kind of record you can only make by yourself. Yeah, because right. If there was anybody, anybody else, else like, in the no, room, no, you're not putting that shit. Well, in. I think this, if there was anybody else in the room 
whose paycheck depended on this being successful, right. you wouldn't have been able to do, yeah. like, I want to say 60% of the weird stuff that he did right. would have been cut. And it would have been cleaner. But this is this is a collage. It's it's a collage of sound. It's a collage of a lot of things. Idea. Because like Business Lunch, there's like maybe three songs on the album that are really speaking to being a corporate yuppie and bullshit and like don't get wound up in in that. You know, I think Title Track does that a little bit. Um, and, um, you know, whatever. Putting your 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 sort of faith in money as opposed to yeah. happiness. And things Roll like the that. Bones advocates for that, too. This is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Sell yeah. your shit. Yeah, exactly. Turn also, when we said roll the bones, turn I was off like, the we're doing Rush? <laughs> it came I'm up down. so many times. I'm in. <laughs> when I was looking for the lyrics and chords and stuff, I was like, please not- don't make me learn a Rush song. <laughs> what? <laughs> you guys are haters. <laughs> Listen, I did hate Rush until I saw them live, and then I said, these are probably the best musicians on the planet. It's well, that's bizarre. why I didn't want to learn it. <laughs> right, yeah. 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 Like, Jesus Christ, yeah. No, but I can air bass to fucking limelight like a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so um when we're thinking about shaky graves you know before we play it uh do we do we have an opinion on him departing from this aesthetic and moving to more of a because this happens a lot you get a bad motherfucker who's doing badass shit and then there's uh sort of like this idea of you need more. You you you, you need harmony. You need harmony. You need this. You need that. Um, like like, do we agree with the idea that that you either can't sustain yourself, badass as you are on your own, uh, and you need to 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 fill it out with this, or that rarely works out. You can only get so far. Like like that. There's a ceiling. Yeah. Um. For 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 this type of of stuff. Like. I don't know. What are our thoughts on that? What, what, the question and, and this music, it reminds me of um, Ray LaMontagne a little bit. Okay. Uh, his first album was very honest, just mostly. I mean, there were orchestrations, uh, but it sounded just like a guy with a guitar. And some of the songs were just a guy with, with a guitar. I can't help but go back to Elliot Smith with that, too. Yeah. 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 Um, second album kind of played up on that. And then he's like, okay, what am I going to do? Uh so he added another band. It was like Ray LaMontagne and like the, uh, yeah, like a backing band. The Catholics. Something. Yeah. Um, the motherfuckers. <laughs> and then just kept getting more and more produced and away from, from what people kind of fell in love with the first. Have we ever seen it work, work out to go that route that we're describing? Radiohead. What? But they were always a full band. What are you talking about? It wasn't just... I want that clip. <laughs> what? It wasn't just Tom York with a piano and a guitar playing fucking no, but they street made, spirit. They made, but they, they were like a straight ahead. Extraordinarily large departures. It was guitar, drums, and bass. Yeah. I Well, because you have what? You have uh, the first two albums are pretty, you know, right. And then... but. Yeah. Okay, always, maybe not the best example. I don't think it was the best example. Okay, well, put your weenie away. We don't need to. <laughs> well, no, we're peeing. We gotta yeah. stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is there? But, 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 but what we're talking about, right? This the 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 singular artist who then yeah. gets a fucking full ass band around him or her, and and it's almost like the full realization. 
Right. Does it does it ever work yeah. out in that positive way where it's where it's like, oh, this is this is it? Because like Elliot Smith, as the example, he played all the instruments, so it's never been that there's been a band and other uh, perspectives and opinions influencing Ooh, his songwriting. Okay, there you go. Foo Fighters. There you go. Yeah, I would say they're the an example cemented. of how to go horribly wrong. Well, no, I think they make still make some good music. I, I don't think they make nearly as good music as they used to. But so, Color and like, the Shape and the Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are the two best albums, and those. Were well, I, I love One by One, and I love some of the songs that have come on after that. Like, I don't think they've made bad records. I just think they made I think distilled made records, purposefully arena rock records that sure baddie sure. That's understandable, but I think my the you know going back to the thesis, like the first album and the second album were wholly Dave Grohl's 100% vision. Dave Grohl. You're right. You're and right. then once the band cemented itself, then you started getting. It does. It becomes more melodic. It becomes yeah. a little bit more. Um, Still, his songs polished. Though. Though. <clears throat> it does, there are the songs. Polish I mean, he... bothers me. I think. As, as yeah, well. but like, look, yeah. I, I, they're the one band that one. It's a good example, though. Yeah, I, I think that. they don't put the same out, same record out twice. Yeah, and it's also just not everything is. Why great would anymore. anyone put the same record out twice? I've I think a lot it. of bands that do a thing well, yeah, will jo- just try and recreate it's a bad that joke. Hey, it was because now I'm explaining <laughs> it. <laughs> Let me finish my explanation. <laughs> Drew, thoughts? You know, I think um, what you're talking about is artistic freedom, and it's one of the few. Um, we'll say consequences or, or things that resulted of like the um, Napster and LimeWire and you know the whole internet thing that actually a beautiful golden age <laughs> that actually of helped fucking artists over that helped an artist You're you right. know what I mean because Shakespeare Graves like doesn't have to make the same record over um, he can do whatever the hell he wants because he hooked people with the first thing that he yeah. did yeah and now he has a platform where he can do whatever the fuck he wants and I really respect that. I respect yeah. people that change because, yeah, like, I want to do that, right? Like, people are always asking me, well, what kind of music do you make? And this, that, and the other thing. It's like, some songs sound like this, other songs sound like this, and maybe I want to make a Prince song one day. But, like, why the fuck do I have to make the same yeah. music all yeah. the time? Yeah, totally. You know, and, like, more and more people are doing that um, and changing their genres and things like that. And people people dig that, I think. I think people just dig music and they dig an honest you know, interpretation of genre, which, you know, is what he does. Absolutely. While I totally agree with everything you just said, Lit <laughs> has now okay. shifted to full-on country music. I could have predicted that, though. So I just want to... Yeah. Well, I think the thing is... <laughs> I heard... What an example. That wasn't a serious thing. <laughs> I, I think I, <laughs> is that a lie? Was that a big lie? I no, that's true. The, the okay. They had like Americana, like, American flags, and acoustic if guitars. Your, and, if you whoo. lose your true north, I don't think Shaky Graves has lost his true north. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I, right. I, I think you should you, um, you should be able to uh, truly embrace that that essence of yeah. of, of you as an uh, as an artist, and that shouldn't get extinguished. I think we grew up in a time when we saw that that essence was uh pumped up to a to a, to a caricature of itself and who the artist was just then became some polished saccharine version of uh, this thing that was bringing audiences in and selling records right and 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 what's unfortunate is is we're so jaded by that i feel like i know i am i shouldn't say we i'm jaded by that because i'm suspect everybody's suspect to me right. 
um, because I don't I don't necessarily believe that they're being true or genuine uh, if they're trying to do something else because I always feel like there's somebody behind the scenes pulling Pushing the strings that, yeah. and, 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 and going, let's monetize this. Right. And, and that's a shame. But as far as Shaky Graves is concerned, one of the reasons, I mean, we have only been choosing things that artists that we enjoy, you know. So, right. so like obviously we don't feel that way about him, but I think it's worthwhile to to comment on like the fact that it, that kind of mentality exists and and that it can happen because you're right. This is the time when you have so many opportunities and venues afforded you to be able to do whatever the fuck you want and not have to be confined. But the simple reality is, and I'm sure Daniel will attest to this, is that to make it to a certain place that's sustainable there are concessions that has to be that have to be made um and the industry is a is a dirty gross just unfeeling eel that's why i'm in therapy yeah (laughs) why not you know i mean i think uh, we talk about um making compromises as a musician and songwriter probably every week (laughs) because those concessions are 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 like soul crushing at I'm times. like no I'm not fucking doing that and she's yeah. like yeah maybe you should <laughs> right and it, and it, and it's it's very difficult because the big thing there I think is is trust right do we trust that we're going to be able to sleep at night does one trust that the person giving you that advice knows what the fuck they're talking right. about right and and it's a it's a it's a strange strange thing and I'm so glad to see that someone like Shaky Graves is continuing to be able to do what they do coming from this weird place that I can just get into instantly and, and relate to in such a way that's, um, you know, really sort of like profound and heartwarming. I, I, it's, it's, it's rare that you can feel that. But we don't, we don't say that DeWitt has to keep writing Westerns. You know what I mean? Exa- that's true. So like, why do we say that musicians have to keep doing a certain thing? That's right? true. But I think, does he, does he stay, does, does Major Domo stay true to the essence of DeWitt's? It's historical fiction, if you want to think about it that way. But mm-hmm. historical in that it takes place in the past and it's completely made up. But do we have a sense <laughs> of, of, of his humor? Do we have a sense of his, oh, yes. his, his grittiness and, oh, yes. and that kind of Even thing? more so probably in the next yeah. one. We expect our, our uh, writers to continue writing a, a good story right. in the way that we're we're comfortable and they can still push the envelope and, and go in other uh, uh, realms. But if they're still telling a good story effectively yeah. and they're not wildly departing from their original style. Yeah. Um, and even if they did, I think the thing that that has always stuck with me is is the idea of, and, you know, I'm not a new critic, obviously. So so this is just this. But the idea of, you know, write the story you'd like to read. Yeah write the music you'd like to listen to or that you'd like to play. If they're doing that, then I think they're succeeding, you know, because if you're, if you're writing music that you'd like to listen to or play, if you're writing stories that you'd like to read, then, then you're successful. And, and as Daniel pointed out that Walt Whitman, you know, line, uh, I have multitudes within me. Like uh, that's just the fact of the matter. Like I, I could, Write an album, I'm sure that sounds like Prodigy, and a, and another that that sounds like a Bright Eyes or something mm. like that, because that is 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 are, are two things that I like. I guess we can, we can reconvene if any of us get a bunch of money thrown right, at us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See how in, full of integrity we are. Then. Oh, I'm selling out, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, is it, and it's, it's it's that thing. I was talking to my students who were reading More of the Worlds, and I was talking to them about 
about this the other day. Like, we we like to think the narrator is a coward because he cons- consistently runs from the terror and runs from it. But we don't know what we would do in that situation and, and how we would tell stand. Everybody, and, I've and had it, massive conversations about this. Yeah, it's one of those things. And I, I think in, in, in this case, and the Sisters Brothers points it out, right? So many men, their heart's not in it. How many times does he say when there's a duel, when there's someone about to try and kill them or they're going to kill, that their heart's not in it to, for the fight, yeah. right? Their heart isn't in it. And so many men, or he says men, but he means the collective, like humans, don't have their 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 heart in it for that you know for 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 whatever it is and it's uh it's it's really interesting like if we're put up against something just just you you see your true character sort of like come oh. out when you can say yes or no or yeah you know. and i can so working in juvenile justice there were a lot of violent and dangerous situations that i could have and should have probably walked away from right but threw myself in Yet you still think you'd die in 1850. I do because <laughs> I think I threw myself into those things because they're in some sort of a controlled environment. I think it's more because and you're a kind person and you were looking out for well, the I'll child always do involved. That. Well, sure, and I'll, my my oh my always my first thought is to help, sure. but I don't think <laughs> that. I think people are really quick to say what they're, man, if that were me, right, I would totally yeah. do this. I would take out my Glock 9 and, you know. Well, think about like, 2018 like, now, yeah. right? Somebody posted something the other day. If you uh, say, if it were 1940 and the Nazis around, this is what I do, you're in it right now. What are you doing? Right. You know, like there are fucking Nazis walking around. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Like, you yeah. Know? And then you talk about, like, everybody says, oh, man. If that guy had a gun during that shooting, it would have ended. No, the fuck, it wouldn't have ended differently. Right. People would still be dead. Like, like we can't, these fantasies that we, we put on ourselves because we want to be brave and we want to be strong, they're, they're fantasies. Right. You know, and, and I can only speak to the, my experiences, and it always has been, I'm going to throw myself into a thing and probably get hurt. Yeah. You know what I sure. Mean? Yeah, no, and, I, I and can... maybe make it worse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think when we're when we're thinking about yeah, in in terms of of this as well, like the the album or whatever. For me, it doesn't seem like he's been one of those people who has made that grand concession, shaky graves anyway, and he hasn't he hasn't chosen to change. I think he's just been good enough that he can do and continue to do what he's doing, but do it in a way that he wants to like you said if you want if he recorded a fucking cover of i would die for you i would listen to it in a second and i wouldn't think that he was selling out or doing something fucked up what if he did a cover of toto's africa (laughs) (laughs) that's a really good question right because there are those those it's not even a good song no it's a bad song that's why people like it. there are articles now as to why it's such a earworm of a song and stuff like that. Like, why are we giving this much page space to, to that song? Like that used to be on like monster ballads commercials in the early nineties. They could send thirty six ninety nine now and get six CDs of monster ballads. And that monster was one of <laughs> I was introduced as song in college by a bunch of lacrosse dudes. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, yeah, and I was just like, right. why do you guys like this song? <laughs> It's not, not like a pump up tune. And yeah. they would come on and they would sing every single fucking word and go and like be very passionate about Those it. Those are the same dudes that'll make up a song. They'll be like, bop it, boop, pull it, boop, spin it, 
out. Like the, you know, they're not, <laughs> they're, anything will change their minds, you know. And uh, yeah. so, <laughs> Bob it. Uh, we've gone off the rails. Before we play this fucking tune, uh, Drew and I are going to play, of course, Roll the Bones title track. Fantastic fucking tune. Um, any closing thoughts on the album? I'm a big fan. It's good. I want to know. Enjoyed this, it. I, I want to talk about what the song is about, though. Roll the Bones? I think it's about grave robbing. I think it's about gambling. Okay. Because well, I think the bones are dice, right? Die. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, I, I was the graves was in my head. Right, right. Yeah, no, he has so those overtones. bones around and taking the heirlooms off of dead bodies. Yeah, yeah. There might be that other sort of like layer hanging out there too. Okay. I think it's, uh, but like when he's talking about like you know turning off your phone and, and doing yeah. all this stuff, I think he's talking about that. I I think it's a really sort of introspective thing where he's going. With great risk comes great reward. This is right. his first album. I think he's saying you know fuck it. Right. Do what you do. What you're gonna do, you might you might fail miserably. But why do you have to crash your car? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, so you can buy a new one. But with it is all like your a, winnings. It's like a, it's like a it's like a how would you say that luddite ludditeian uh, sort of like mentality mm. where he's like because he's destroying technology throughout the entire entire song right. a little bit right. Um, okay. In any case, I don't know. That was the way I perceived it. No, that makes uh, it's sense. Just a yeah. Just an interpretation. I, I thought maybe it was about like smoking pot. It could very well be. <laughs> Rolling bones. Aren't you know. most things. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Awesome. All right. Let's Fabulous. Do it. Play it. Do it.
No, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Okay, okay here we go. So here we go. Uh, we for today for the the dirty, the filthy, gritty ass, but also tasty, <laughs> thematic cast that we are in. We have Sly Fox's Mudlust Coffee Porter. I feel like the number of times that these men's clothes and shoes were sullied with mud i'm specifically thinking about when he's taking that young lady eli's taking the young lady on a walk and there's those like wooden boards that she's yeah. walking on and he's like a in foot and a half mud. deep in just thick succubus mud um <laughs> that is uh that's where we're at so sly fox brewery not far from here phoenixville pottstown uh, pottstown i'm sorry yeah, yeah pottstown it used um, to be phoenixville both okay okay i thought so okay yeah. One place in wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Mudlust Coffee Porter. Nick, uh, you love these guys. I do. And uh, what do you have to say about the the Mudlust? So this is going to be an adventure because <clears throat> Sly Fox is my favorite brewery around. Right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. At Brittingham's many years ago, uh, they had their Christmas beer on tap. It's a nice beer. And I had a sip of it, and it literally tasted like fucking Christmas. <laughs> so in comparison to like You're a right. celebration, like a Sierra Nevada it, it celebration. Was just, uh, it, uh, celebration's different than that. It just tastes like Christmas. <laughs> I get one six pack every year because they just do it so right. And I find their beers to be, um, even like the the stuff with the high horsepower, you know what I mean? Right. Like the IPAs. Yeah. They're drinkable for me. They are. And I don't know how they do that because I can't drink that shit. Um, it usually hurt. Yeah, yeah I'm really really hurt me but their hell's lager their pikeland pills which i had at my wedding they're just a terrific brewery they do really great stuff the artwork on their cans is wonderful so that's what drew me to this in the supermarket um and i picked it up and when i had it i was still fighting viral bronchitis so i don't (laughs) remember what this tastes like oh sweet so this this uh, is going to be a new thing this uh, this is the first time i'm going to be drinking it um same 
Daniel, you want to give us a little background on the old uh, brewery here? Ripped right from their website. Of course. As uh, we expect. <laughs> from the mouths of babes. Citing my source. Or brewers. Or yeah. foxes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the company was founded in December 1995 by the Ginopolis family, and as the years have passed, the brewery and family have grown. Okay, that's right. all I'm going to read. I'm going to paraphrase the yeah. rest. Okay, thank you. Uh, so they had a place in Phoenixville. Uh, they were doing well, uh, etc., and then they moved out <laughs> to Royersford. Oh. But they do have a brew house. So uh, when I was bartending, uh, I guess I started in around 2005, uh, Sly Fox was one of the beers we carried. Yeah. Shortly after, one of their guys said, "Hey, you guys should can that shit and sell it." Um, so we did. They were one of the first local cans that I remember seeing. Yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. we definitely had bottles. I don't. Maybe it wasn't cans right away, but we definitely had bottles. Other stuff. Big yeah, bottles, I mean, regardless. Yeah, definitely. They were one of the first cans that I saw of local yep. brewery. And we used to have our holiday party out at their brew pub. Oh, in, killer. Uh, I guess Royalsford or Phoenixville, wherever it was. Yeah. It was definitely Phoenixville yeah. at that it's, point. Yeah, right? they have the, the big restaurant in Phoenixville. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did that for maybe three to five years. Nice. Uh, it's the first time I've ever seen a grown man pick up another grown man and then fall on top of a table <laughs> and knock everybody's drinks all over everybody Ooh. around that table. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's the first time I met my, uh, my new boss. Nice. Was he one of the dudes in question? He was the drunk guy that picked up the other guy. <laughs> and That's it, awesome. And all I remember is someone saying, oh, not again, Pete. <laughs> I was like, wait, is this, is this who you're sending down to manage our oh, bar? Oh, God. That's fabulous. That's fantastic. Well, let's, uh, let's give it a taste. Yes. Yeah, cheers. 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 <clears throat> cheers. A little, one of those dull clinks because it's all aluminum. Aluminium. Ooh, that is That's a really nice. wonderful finish. Mm. Uh, what type of beer is that, Nick? That's a coffee porter. Yeah. So, again, uh, we've said this before, but the difference between a stout and a porter, Daniel, throwing it back at you. It was, it was nothing. Right. Yeah. Previously, though, <laughs> a stout was the... Oh, okay. A st- <laughs> stout. <laughs> now we Jesus know that. But nothing. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, a stout was the nomenclature used just for any type of strong beer. Which we would now say is imperial. Is imperial, yeah. yeah. But so a stout, uh, they started calling it like a stout porter, which is like a strong porter. Right. But then Guinness just started calling their porter a stout. Exactly. Yeah, and so now we have this sense that, and it's weird because like, I feel like there is a little bit of a, difference if it, depending on the brewery like they might have both and mm-hmm. call them two different things well, typically i find that the abv is the the differentiating factor in most breweries you know like what's the, funny the stouts will be my, amped up my grandmother loves porters she, she that, like that's her drink that's and, great they're delicious uh, joe loves uh, uh stouts and i feel like when you look back you know she's a Slovakian woman, uh, when you go to Eastern Europe, you get a choice between two beers. It's dark or light. Mm, that's it. And so I think that like that's where that comes from is like, you know, no idea why Jill's preference is Jill's preference. But like uh, for my grandma, I think that's what it is, is she just prefers the darker sure. beers. And so that's why that's why that's what she that's what she drinks, even though, you know, the uh, Czech hops are where we get our sure. uh, 
pilsners and everything like that. They're they're all every hop or every uh, malt is a pilsner. Mm-hmm. Malt. You know what I find with most coffee porters or coffee flavored things, like they they skimp on the coffee and you never really get that. I feel and like here, this one has a beautiful yeah, finish. Yeah, really nice. Because it has enough coffee. Yep. I agree with you. Yeah, it's terrific. As if you had a drink of coffee or like a like a cold one of those cold latte drinks or yeah. Something. And I didn't put any because I not, usually will not that <clears throat> fake doesn't have that kind of cloying nonsense. Yes, stomp exactly in your mouth. Because <laughs> I usually will put a bunch of sugar and shit in my coffee. Yeah, this feels like it. You it put has shit the cream. in your coffee. Is that the mud? <laughs> you eat shit for breakfast. <laughs> um, this is this is this is just like that straight coffee. Yeah. Which I'm not a coffee fan, but. In beer, always. Yeah. Drew, sometimes, sometimes um, these porters have a like a burnt coffee. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And, and this one is very smooth. I'm thinking of like a, like a love stout. Sure, love yeah, stout. Hell yeah. Which is a very very good beer. My wife's favorite beer. Um, I've but, never had a good experience with it. We talked about this a few times in the cast. Really? I think I've had skunk kegs a few times okay. or like bad lines from yeah. it because I've never it, when enjoyed it's it. Sweet. It's, just, it's like a gross sweet. I, like a, that's just a dirty line. Yeah, like a mm, yeah. No, thank you. But oh, but this one, it, yeah. Like that. If, if you're sticking with the um, coffee analogy, this definitely has a little bit of cream. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that end is such a nice finish because of the crema. And it's a little oh, dirty. Wait, wait, little... wait for the crema. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, it does have a little bit of. I think that's the lays mud, flat right? right across the tongue yeah I there think it that's is the mud right that's, yeah that, that's where they're getting that it's like uh after you ooh, there it is again it comes back <laughs> yeah uh, it's like when you eat like a like like a chocolate covered espresso bean yeah there you go that's a really good nice. way to put it yeah, yeah. and those yeah. are great afterwards shit. you're like i got a shit really excited <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there seems to be like a little heart around the thing for the mud list too but i think it's a fantastic beer and yeah, it's very nice like i don't know for me it's it's usually a scale of how many I can put back, but this I feel like I can put back two, and I would be satisfied with those two. That'd be yeah. a good, yep. a good little uh, episode you know in my drinking day. I would have a nice hearty burger with this. Mm. Oh yeah, good call. Mm. Bacon, a shake mm. shack, maybe some steak, steak frites. Yeah, fuck yeah, frites? steak frites. But, the, see, but steak is heavy. I agree <laughs> with the burger because it's a, a little as ridiculous as it sounds, a little lighter than a steak. Steak, I enjoy. Uh, like a pilsner or something like that. I think that's what you're talking about with the malt. Is this one seems like it's not as burnt a malt, right? You know, where where it's not going for that dark. Maybe that's the big difference between porters and lager or lagers stouts. Now, is that degree that they're roasting, roasting the malts the, uh, at, or the barley, or whatever? You know, you go to like um, the 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 different uh, brewery shops in in Philly and stuff like that. And you have all those, you know, almost like a Back in the day when you go to the grocery store and you can scoop in your own nuts yeah. or candy into a bag and weigh it or whatever. They have that for, for um, malts. And the ones that are really roasted are like, it's like charcoal. Yeah, It's fucking mm. crazy. I feel like that's what the stouts are. And this is like a little bit less on that spectrum. Yeah. So that uh, Coen Brothers movie on Netflix... Right, yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a great line where he says, "Busters, uh, what's it called? The Ballad, the Ballad of Buster, Buster Scruggs. Scruggs." That's right, yeah. In one of those stories, towards the end, uh, the guy they're they're traveling the Oregon Trail, and they're um, the two guys that like run the caravans or whatever. One guy, younger guy, goes up to the older guy on his horseback and says, "Hey, uh, what's worse, dust or mud?" And the old guy says, 
I reckon they're both bad. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that. Apt Drew. assessment. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you know, that, that, dust, that, lust, dust. or mud lust. Yeah. But they're both good. Yeah, they're both good. It's all good. <laughs> it's all they're good. both my favorite. <laughs> yeah. I like <laughs> one's favorite, uh, uh, but uh, then the other one's favorite. On the other end of that spectrum, <laughs> both good. Instead of bad. <laughs> as opposed <laughs> as opposed to not good. Yeah. As the Cullen brothers assert. <laughs> so I don't know if you guys know about this. Uh, Sly Fox Brewery, once a year in May, they have a goat race. Such, oh. a, such a weird thing for them to do. But I would have known of this if you hadn't told me. They've been doing it forever. Goat race? Yeah. Yeah. He goes uh, every year. Me and the missus, we go every... So all these people, they bring their goats... It's like a, it's like As a German festival, but the, is the it main attraction. German, like is this, a, or did they invent it? And oh, we go to rest the goats today. <laughs> no, no, no. no, they they present the whole uh, ceremony as as a German festival because it's the, when they release their Maybach. Mm. Oh, okay. But it just so happens they also have goat races. Yeah. So it's incredibly exciting. You get really you get really amped up. For these goats who you don't know. Well, some of you know because... They're not suffering at all. It's just like smack on the ass and they're... Yeah, they're the owner out. runs with them if ah, the goat okay. wants to run. That's real yeah. sweet. But yeah, they've got is, they've got like, like the greatest <laughs> names. Like a maypole. It's, I it's really like goats. They're my favorite. Yeah. And it, you, can, you can pet them. You can get your picture with them. Oh, oh. nice. I had some cousins who had mini... Sly Fox. Mini, they do that. Every no. year. I might have to go to that because I'm a goat fan. They're fucking hilarious. They really are. Those little guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're on like little play sets. You ever oh, see like, the the man? What was that MythBusters with the the goat farm? That if you scare these little goats, their defense mechanism, their muscles lock up and they yeah. fall over. Yeah. <laughs> and I found that to be very cruel because they would just go and scare the goats, yeah. and the little bastards would just ah, and then uh, fall over. Dush. <laughs> I, I felt like that always reminded me of when you get a Charlie horse. Like, I would yeah. never want someone to scare me. And then I'd get a Charlie horse. Like, oh, God, because it's incapacitating, you know? <laughs> Although, for anybody listening, during the beer section, I feel like this is appropriate. Uh, if you've drunk yourself to dehydration and you wake up with a Charlie horse, especially in your foot, that's where I find them most often, in the arch of my foot, the best cure is to actually stand up and walk on it. it takes it right away. Yeah, you're stretching like a you, know, you know how you go, oh! And you try like, you're like, you're like trying to stretch your foot and like curl your toes and this that. You just stand on it and walk. You want to know right something away. fucked up about Way me? Way less painful. I give myself Charlie horses in the arches of my feet. Why? I like it. <laughs> Jesus. Like you just you just find what? that. How, I will, how would yeah. you die in the West? I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. How so I'll just I'll, I'll push my my big toe Jesus. forward as far as possible until all the muscles start fucking lick like. Contracting? contracting and then it's just sweet sweet pain jesus christ <laughs> the more you know yeah we got a gregor rio fetish and yet there. i find the, the <laughs> ones in my works the, the ones in my uh thighs to be unbearable the, yeah those unbearable are, so those here, are here's my question what happens if you just let a charlie horse just go you get pain. that it, it just it's like yeah, if it's you really, just never if you just let it go what i happens? find that um I, I've done too. that before, like to take a new approach, because I always used to try and work it out. And sometimes it's yeah. just like, all right, I'm going to let go. Well, what it is, is, is it's the muscle tensing so yeah. much, like it wraps itself around. It basically causes a knot. And then you have 
what essentially is a bruised muscle. I'm doing it right because now. Because it, it pulls itself. <laughs> Jesus. Not in front of us, you sick, sick fucking pervert. Put your like shoes back on. I'm on an episode on. of Big Mouth right it's now. It's in my yeah. shoe. Wait a minute. It's in my shoe. Um, but yeah, that's what happens. But essentially, you always like take your weenie out really and play with it when that happens. In your muscle. And Oof. you have a bruised muscle. Yeah. I had that happen. My Body's foot was like straight up black and blue because I just let it go. And it was... Yeah, it was bruised. Well, because it was like I, I didn't, you know, figure out the remedy, and I was trying to work oh, it out. And oh, the remedy you, is to walk. You weren't like doing that. No, I wasn't purposely okay. giving myself. <laughs> I do it with my hands too. I was drinking too much, and I wasn't on my my new regiment, which is every two drinks I drink a at least sixteen ounces of water. At least, huh? Absolutely, I drink a pint of water every every couple beers. It's a good way to go. I That's feel like a million dollars. Speaking of. I don't Throughout, often yeah. feel like a million dollars when I wake up. That's true. I never feel like a million dollars. No, but, but I, I feel, feel less bad. I, yeah, I'm on like a, yeah. All right. What do we think? Let's, uh, final thoughts on the old, uh, mudlust. on the old mudlust. If, I, I, I don't know what else I have to say other than it's, it's really good. And these are not my go-to beers, but I will have gladly. I'll have two of these. It's almost like it's not as creamy as like a milk stout. And I love milk stouts, but you're right. I love right. milk stouts as well. Yeah. Like the left hand. Yeah. That's a good uh, milk stout. This one's just a damn good beer. Yeah, if you're a porterman or a stoutman. If you're a porterman, yeah. Um, this is a real treat. Um, you're not getting any of the bitterness that you can find in a lot of stouts. Yeah. Um, you're just getting good coffee flavor on the back end with a nice smooth mouthfeel, as you put it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's a treat. Yeah. It's It's a little too... Nice for the rest of the themes of this episode, I think. Right, yeah. It's, it's fancy. It's polished, yeah. whereas the others are very yeah. lo-fi and gritty. I mean, and that's not a slight to the beer, because the beer is really good. It's it's just, uh, it's it's very drinkable. Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's not a harsh-ass weird brandy that'll leave us green in the morning. <laughs> no. Like, and the horsepower like the will brothers, really sisters. Six and a half. Six and a half percent. I give it eight out of ten scared goats. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. Uh, Sly Fox, great local brewery. My uh, favorite. They've, My they've expanded favorite. into the more than the tri-state area, sure. I believe, with their distribution. So good for and them. if you go to the place in Pottstown, uh, you can get a very fine margarita pizza while you after your tour, while you oh, drink nice. some beers. Yeah, it's really nice. Wonderful. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, fantastic beer. Incredible book and a wonderful record. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Well Cheers. Thank you, Drew, for being here, performing with us. Very fun. I we need fucking loved it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was no clinking. There was no we clinking. Like clinking, and there was no. Um, I'm just going to. Yeah. By the way, if you happen to like what we're talking about, uh, Daniel and I have books out um, from various publishers. I have good grief in my recent this short story collection called This Distance. Oh yeah, cheers. Maudlin House. Oh, thank this you. This is the first episode since Gregorio's short story collection yes, has come thank out. Thank you. And absolutely I blurbed the wonderful. shit out of it. Daniel blurbed the shit out of it. Wonderful it was, collection. Uh, thank you. Um, but they're both out for Maudlin House. Uh, you can get them at Maudlin House Press or MaudlinHouse.net. Um, we just secured a distribution deal so it will be more widely available shortly. Wonderful. Uh, and Daniel's book, uh, Panic Years. Panic Years. That just came out August uh, 15th. That This is our first actual meeting as well. Absolutely. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Double bonus. Yeah. So that came out. That is that is widely available. Uh, mostly, if you want it, 
Amazon is probably the way to go. Yeah. You can follow the links at either danieldefranco.com or panicyears.com. Or if you like Amazon, just type in Panic Years. And you will find it. Also, if you found yourself relating to our comments about artistic integrity and uh, Shaky Graves, that segment there, Panic Years is certainly a real nuanced look at life on the road. No kidding. As a musician who is in that middle ground of struggling to not. 13 five-star reviews on Amazon right now. Oof, know. God damn. <laughs> I'm like, it's a regular old ladybird. <laughs> oh, and listen, if you like the podcast, please check us out on social media. We're on Instagram at book.record.beer. We're on Twitter at bookrecordbeer. And on Facebook at bookrecordbeerpodcast. Brother, uh, that's your face. So, <laughs> so please check us out. We're on iTunes and all that good stuff. Have a wonderful month. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.